It is a therapy edition of Lockdown Guardians. It's time to rip the Band-Aid off and let it all out. So hang with us for the next half hour, 35 minutes, 40 minutes, however long you got. We're going to get you through this. We're going to get through it together. It's Lockdown Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Guardians. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jeff Ellis. I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. Uh, before being the host of said podcast, I was a lead draft and prospect writer at Scout and 24-7, and I got my start on Indians Prospect Insider, which became Indians Baseball Insider, which became Indians Guardian Insider, where Justin now works. Why don't you tell him everything else you've done? Yes, I am Justin Latta the co-host of Lockdown Guardians with Jeff. We did cross paths sort of at Indians baseball prospect, Guardians baseball prospect insider, whatever we're calling it these days. Uh, I've been at the Will Be News Herald, Lorraine Morning Journal, ESPN Sweet Spot, Burning River Baseball, all sorts of places where people decided to let me write and where I turned into a baseball fanatic and a sap just like the rest of you. And now we're all sitting here with a big hole in our hearts for the next several months. But it's okay because we're still going to be here. We're going to talk about things. It's like the Friends theme. We'll be there for you. Yeah. At some point this winter, we won't be there for you every day, but we'll still be there yeah. for you most days. Uh, so. I, I feel like the one who's pushed in the fountain. I'm feeling a little like exposed and wet right now after all this rain, right? Maybe a really yeah. awkward transition, but I feel like the rain played out exactly how we feared it would. Yeah, I would say so. Actually, if you think about it, the rain kind of screwed Cleveland twice. I didn't think about this before. This is gonna it's gonna hurt even more after I say this. So if you're if you're listening, uh, I'd recommend sitting down. Maybe you already thought about this, but uh, actually, our our mutual buddy Tony Lastoria, who is the still the owner of Guardians Baseball Insider, tweeted this. Um, had the rain not pushed Game Two from uh, Thursday to Friday last week. Today, game five, Tuesday, would have been Shane Bieber's normal day to start. That's not going to make anybody feel better. But it's true. No. I, did, I didn't even think about that until he tweeted. I was like, wow. Yeah, Bieber would have been on, on normal to the rest. He could have started game five. But, uh, you know, I'll say I'll, I'm going to take the uh, the non-popular point of view and be like, I know everyone's focused on, like, Bieber didn't play, this and that. Like, do they – I don't know if it changes the outcome. They only got one run. They, you know, they got the bases loaded and got one run with one out and got one run. They, you know, I remember when they got runners at first and second with nobody out and couldn't advance them. It was the continued story that we've seen for a lot of this playoffs. They just couldn't seem to string enough together. Uh, you know, I've referred to this debt of this offense's death by, you know, 10,000 paper cuts. They had more base runners in this series. Both these teams hit under 200. It was not a good offensive series. But the Yankees had power, and when two teams can't hit, it just takes the team that can fall into more home runs to win, and that's exactly what we saw. Yeah, I think, uh, what was it, 42 to 28 was the hit, or 26. Uh, Cleveland had, almost, I think, almost twice as many hits as, as the Yankees did, but 
Uh, I want to say they had at least six, or I'm trying to think. Harrison Bader had three homers. Judge had two. Stanton had two. Rizzo had one. So that's uh, five, six, seven. That's seven or eight home runs. Cabrera had one, right? Yeah, so they had at least eight home runs. Cleveland had – the Yankees had eight home runs in the in the five-game ALDS. Cleveland played seven postseason games. They had four home runs total. And, yeah, three in this series. Um I'm sorry, two in the series because Oscar and, and Jose had a two, one each in, in the wild card round. But, um, you know, a couple of those hits are not even just home runs. You know, if, if a couple of those hits, instead of being singles or whatever, if some of those are doubles uh, or homers even, we could, we'd could we be talking about Cleveland going to Houston on Wednesday. It's that, you know, I think it's just – I'm not saying they need like – they don't need Aaron Judge and, and Giancarlo Stanton and – all these guys who strike out or hit home runs to to be a good team. I think they just needed, you know, two or three more hits in this series to be extra base hits, whether that's double or home run. They just, you know, some of those some of those singles really just needed to be extra base hits. Yeah, they, you know, it, it, on top of that, it's like it's the danger of an offense. It's almost based entirely on singles. It's like you know they don't walk enough to have another pathway to success they don't yes. you know they don't hit i mean yes jose ramirez led the big league in doubles but it's like just you know listen ops is flawed we know this but still you look at the list it's like guys with ops is over 600 i'm not even saying 700 i am saying over 600 you know it's a little over 700 is average it was Quan, it was jose and it was gabby you know Ar- 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 uh, oh and rizzo had- or not rizzo rosario yeah, they had they had one they had one walk here in game five. That's yeah. I'm not going to look at the whole walk total for the series, but that's a good point. Not just the power, but it's the patience too. And I guess and, sometimes I those kind of go hand in hand. Cortez, uh, you know, Cortez five innings, sixty one pitches. Like he was averaging under twelve through his first you know set. Like the they just a lot of. It's almost like you want to have him go up there and be like, okay, you're not allowed to swing at the first pitch. Like, okay, right. you can't, you know, just, you have to take a pitch or two because there's just two, like, I mean, Oscar Gonzalez, this was not his best game, but he had two ginormous games in the postseason, even though the stats aren't great, but he's a guy who in four at bats could go up there and conceivably swing it. <coughs> see four total four pitches. pitches. Right. <coughs> 61 pitches for Nestor Cortez in this game on short rest. Like I, I have to imagine I don't know how I don't know what they get into in, in terms of uh, hitter meetings before games and whatnot, but I just I, I I refuse to believe that the hitter meeting didn't say, "Hey, this guy's on three days rest. Let's work him hard." You know, outside of game one and tonight and game five, games two, three, and four, this team had a good approach at the plate. After okay, they had to settle in game one. They were behind, and they got out of their offensive game plan against Garrett Cole. Games two and three and four, they were a little bit better. They they started working counts again. They started getting on base. They started just trying to hit the other way and, and, and play their game of small ball. And it's like they just let it go again here in game five. Nestor Cortez needed 92 pitches to get through five innings in game two. That was a normal rest. On, on three days rest, he, get, he gets through in 61. And they have three hits versus the six the first time. And it's all due to approach. I mean, the first inning, right? Quan gets on with a base hit. That's great. Ahmed Rosario 
the the pop-up bunt. Terrible pitch to do it on. And and I know people are going to say, well, why did Tito tell him to bunt? He didn't tell him to bunt. Tito says all the time, they don't ever tell guys to bunt. The rule is always get the runner over somehow. It doesn't matter how you do it. Get the runner over in the scoring position. And I don't know if he was butting for a hit, if it was him trying to sack him over, but it was a bad bunt. Next, next batter, Jose Ramirez. Um, two terrible pitches he swings at. Uh, I'm sorry, it was a called strike, the first one. The second one was a pop-out on a ball that was, you know, in on his chest. And then Oscar Gonzalez hit a, you know, a, a decent liner to third base. That was the end of the inning. And then, then Jeff, in the fourth inning, six pitches against against Nestor Cortez. Naylor, a two-pitch ground out. Gabby Arias, a one-pitch fly out. Andre Jimenez, a three-pitch ground out. A six-pitch inning in the fourth inning. And that allows Cortez to go out there in the fifth to face Austin Hedges, Miles Straw, and Stephen Kwan. And, and he gets Kwan to line out to right field. It's only only a competitive bat that inning. Um, just just a very poor approach. I, I, and I will get into it about the pitching, but I think I kind of wonder if the deficit early kind of got in their head and got them out of whack because games two, three, and four, their approach was fantastic. It was good, and they were doing the right things they should do. And I feel like in game five, they just didn't do what, what had made them successful. So you're saying after the hitting coach went to his – I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, someone <laughs> tweeted that. Someone tweeted that. No, and... so, fun fact. Uh, I went oh. through. I haven't gone through the Yankee side of things, but I was going through Cleveland's, and they had – in four, four of the games, they had a combined four walks. The game two win, they had five. So they had nine total walks. And if I go through, like, New York, in game two, had seven walks alone. And mm-hmm. then they had eight in – I mean, that's the thing. Like – yeah, Cleveland out hit them, but New York just, I mean, they might have reached base. I mean, I know Cleveland barely won the uh, the reach base wars, as it were. Uh, but, like, when you're going through this whole thing about, like, how it was, especially those later games in the series, what's the difference? The Yankees walked a lot. So, quick math has them at 18 walks, like, literally double Cleveland's walks. So, Cleveland might have had double the hits, but they had double the walks. And that also means, you know likely double the pitching uh, or the pitches and getting through guys. You know, I love a lot of guys on the team, but there is that kind of issue where the, you know, uh, Rosario and Jimenez and Oscar Gonzalez, like this is not a team that, that are patient types. You know, it's like they have a, uh, in Jose, you know, he, for some reason, you know, after that Colorado injury, it's really, it's still the weirdest thing. That, you know, even after the rest of the season, he was league average. After that Colorado thing, it's like he became a bit of a hacker in the second half. And I mean, he's fine. And he 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 still played well. But and I don't want anyone to sit there and be like, you're no, he was their best hitter. Okay, there's no doubt he was their best hitter, but he was not the transcendent guy. He was a year ago. He wasn't like an MVP hitter in this game. Uh, You know, he wasn't. I felt like Jose of like the first part of the season and Jose of most seasons, when those bases are loaded and he comes up, it wouldn't have been a sack fly. Like it just felt like he was, I, I don't know what got shifted, but I, there's, you know, it was weird sitting there watching, you know, uh, Ari- Arias, I keep saying Gabby, we'll just call him Gabby. Gabby's a bats and seeing him like, yeah, he ended up striking out, but it's like he would work a count at least, or I mean, Hedges did not he have did. a great, Great series, but I mean, Hedges made every at bat a battle. Like, I, I give yeah. him credit for that. Yeah, no, they they definitely did do that. And you're right the 
the fourth inning where they did finally was it the fourth inning where they finally scored third inning i'm sorry third inning yeah. they scored uh it was the the sack fly by jose and, and the pitch before the sack fly he was just a little bit early and he yanked a ball on the right field a field line it could have been a home run um and that and that felt like the inning for them too because um you know this is how this is how their offense looked all series when they were doing good austin hedges got a hit and it's like okay austin hedges is on base when Austin Edges gets on base, you should score because um, that's like you know the best possible outcome from him is anyway he gets on base is like a giant bonus. And then Quan had that little blooper into the Bermuda Triangle in left field that dropped in front of Donaldson and Oswaldo Cabrera and, and Aaron Hicks and ended up getting Aaron Hicks hurt and out of the game. Now he's out for the postseason. Um, and they had to put Marwin Gonzalez in left. And I'm like, this is perfect. They that's. The rally in game two, the rally in game four, that's how it started, was that, that little fly ball into the Bermuda Triangle in left field. Rosario walked. He walked. That was great. A four-pitch walk. Cortez looked like he was coming out, you know, coming undone a little bit, that he, the uh, the three days rest was starting to get to him. And then Jose just misses that home run. And then he has a sack fly, and that was it. And they, I don't, I don't think they had a chance the rest of the game, did they? I mean, the fourth no. and fifth were dismal. Well, I mean, the ninth, he got two hits, right? Miller and May, because that's the thing. I'm yeah. like, they're not going to pinch hit Maley even now. And I was just saying, and then, of course, he got a hit. <laughs> it's like, I know, I know. That would have been the time to pinch hit. I'm like, just do it. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? And at they didn't point. do it. And that, and I said, that, I know. that, And I was like, just pinch hit him because, like, you should at this point. If you're not doing it, why aren't you going to do it? And then I was like, ah, who cares if they're, they're dead at this point? It didn't matter. Um, um, yeah, their so, approach was just so bad. It worked out. Everything worked out perfectly for New York. I mean, the rain let Cortez start. The Guardians had a terrible approach against him. He got through five innings, which I, we said yesterday. Cortez and Peralta would combine for like five or six somehow. They would go to Loisica. They would go to Holmes. And they maybe would go to, to Garrett Cole. And they didn't. he was warming up at the end of the game. They didn't go to him. But Cortez got them more than they probably thought. Loisica was great for two. They went to Clay Holmes against the top of the order. He struck out too. He looked great, and he and the only reason that he was available is because of the rainout yesterday. Yeah, and then Wandy Peralta goes the ninth inning. Wandy Peralta pitched all five, five games, games in the series. First time that's ever happened. Yes, it's like he was Andrew great. Miller. He was like Andrew yeah. Miller. Um, and the only reason that happened is because he had a day off after game one. Mm-hmm. He had a day off after game two. Uh, I'm sorry, he didn't have a game after day two because the rainout. But uh, or they did yeah. have a game off. Yeah. And the rainout yesterday, and he did the pitch three days in a row. But the rainout yesterday, you know, made it happen. So everything went according to plan with the rain for New York, exactly how yeah. he said it, it would. And it's you know it's hard to beat Cortez twice. They really needed to get one off of Cole, and unfortunately, Cole looked like the Garrett Cole of three years ago. He did not like look like the guy who was very beatable in the season. Cortez, and then yeah, I mean, this was totally like the the rain screwing Cleveland because it's like Cortez wouldn't be available for five innings if there isn't rain. There's no way Holmes can pitch. Peralta can't pitch. The Weisinga is probably limited. It just, yeah. I mean, because of the way that the rain hit and because Cleveland did not make New York pay in terms of pitch counts, except for Garrett Cole's one game at 110, uh, you know, they let, that's like letting Servino uh, off the hook, even though he, you know, they beat him. It's like you needed to, in those games, put guys in the ground quick and make them get into their pen. And they didn't. And that pen had no depth, but we also, 
they also just never were able to like quite do enough in terms of pitch count. We should take our first break. We're going to come back. I'm going to talk about, I got to talk about one more thing offensively that annoyed me. Uh, We'll get into the pitching all on today's episode of locked on guardians. Our sponsor today are our good friends over at Roan. I'm going to spell it out. One of our listeners asked me to spell these. So it's R-H-O-N-E. They do, listen, I like, I pointed out last time, I wear shirts like theirs. I'm going to end up picking up a Roan shirt. Their new commuter shirt is the most comfortable, breathable, flexible shirt known to man. And here's why. Uh, Roan's comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy what life throws your way from your work commute to 18 holes of golf. It's time to feel confident with a wrinkle-free shirt without the hassle. With Roan's wrinkle release technology, wrinkles disappear as you stretch and wear. It's that easy. With Gold Fusion anti-odor technology, you'll be smelling fresh and clean all day long. On top of that, Roan is 100% machine washable, so you can ditch the dry cleaner. A shirt that is comfortable, breathable, flexible, and is going to help you not stink. What's? How can you not do it? Like I said, I, I love shirts like this. I'm going to buy a Roan shirt. I will let you know what I think about it. I think they look pretty fun, pretty cool personally. Uh, but if you want to help us out and want to go to a great, fantastic sponsor, go to www.rhone, that's R-H-O-N-E.com backslash locked on. The commuter shirt can get to you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Use the promo code locked on to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your order when you head to R-H-O-N-E.com backslash locked on. Use that code locked on. It's easy. It's backslash locked on and code locked on. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Get in on the Roan revolution. So, okay, a personal pet peeve of mine all year is Andres Jimenez. And I love him to death, but his insistence on sliding. And I get that he is safe at first base. But first of all, if you look at the math, going foot first in is, I know people are going to be mad. They're like, you listen to the game. You didn't watch it. I don't have to watch it. I saw him dive into first base a half a dozen times this year, if not more. When you drop into a foot first slide, that is the slowest way to get into first. Head first is the most dangerous. Running straight through is the way to go. Yes, the call was wrong. Yes, they should have reviewed the call. But if Jimenez runs right through the base, then maybe all of this doesn't happen. Like, I still think that, I don't know why no one has pulled him aside and like discussed this with him. Why is he still diving into first base? All the science, all the data says you run, run through. And if he runs through, he's probably called safe instead of out. Is it his fault? No, because he was safe, Mm -hmm. but could the situation have been avoided? Absolutely. And it's because he keeps doing this one. I love Andres, I say that Jimenez was the MVP of this team this year. It wasn't Jose. He was the best offensive player start to finish. That being said, can someone this offseason please pull him aside and show him the ESPN sports science video? I mean, it just it, they do it very simply. I'll, I'll share. I've shared the link many times. He literally did the worst thing you can do to get that base. And he continually does this. And maybe people are going to get mad at me, but it's like just drop and slide. You slow down. Friction exists. Mm-hmm. We live in a friction-filled world. Just rub your You're arm not forward. Yeah. You are no longer gaining momentum, and drag is slowing you down. So doing that, like I said, I stand that if he had ran all the way through, which you're allowed to do at first, he gets called safe. Right. I agree. It's a much easier call. And, and, and the umpires still have to get that call right, and Cleveland still should challenge that. Cleveland challenged 
two plays on Sunday in game four, both yeah. both incorrect. The first one was pretty <laughs> I thought it was pretty egregious that Jose was out and yeah. the second one I think I think Arias probably had the guy out, but um inconclusive the, to overturn it. So they, the they, they, stuff they, has they been, lost on that one. Yeah. Been kind of weak this postseason. Like I was like, what do you got? It just felt like and today I don't it felt like some people said it's challenges. Wheel, some people yeah, it's like yep. some people are like, "Are you asleep, or are you just already given up?" Like it felt like almost like, "Oh, we've lost." I know. Why what, spend what the time? Inning? What inning was that? Was that the? I was third? like the, the seventh or the sixth. It was. It was in the second half of the game. I feel like I could be totally wrong in that. But uh, it was the fourth. It was the fourth inning. I think it was. Yeah, it was the fourth, the inning. fourth inning. Wasn't even. Um, right. Yeah, right. and it was. There was already two outs, but yeah, I mean, just you have two challenges. It's, it extends if the, the game. first one is blown, who cares? It's and I know the next the guy season. is head hedges, but that still means like extra pitches. It just you're helping get him out of the game sooner. Like it's one more right. and hedges, like yes, hedges mostly resulted in an out, but hedges very rarely was like first pitch out. Like he worked counts. It felt like he was you know five, six pitches every single time. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that was weird, but again, it's just like and there are people I know who are going to be mad at me because there are people mad on Twitter. Like, he was safe. And I'm like, safe or not, if he keeps doing this, A, eventually diving into first base is going to get him hurt. Like, that's right. just, that's what happens. And two, it's just going to continue resulting in negative outcomes. It's like you are doing something that is always a negative outcome compared to if you did something else. So I wish, I don't know why that is still occurring. And anyone who's a longtime listener of the show knows I've been screaming about this since <laughs> May. Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right. It's it's got to stop. We've seen guys get injured doing it before. We've seen, um, like I said, you you shared the sports science article. It doesn't doesn't help. It hurts more than it helps. The only time it, I think it makes sense is if a guy is trying to tag you. Yeah, no, um, going into second of, or third or home, it makes sense, but first, never. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's frustrating. So, um, not not a big deal though. Like we said, the hitting was not good. The approach wasn't good. Um. Maybe it didn't matter. Here, here's my thing with the hitting today. I kind of wonder. I wonder if the we're going to get into the pitching here. It sounds like. Yeah. Um, I kind of wonder if the the early deficit took them out of their approach, and they kind of, I don't want to say panic because I'm, I'm sure they didn't, but I want to say the scoreboard might have dictated some of their emotions and their their at bats and trying to erase the deficit, knowing that the bullpen had to cover eight and two thirds innings after the fiasco. And let me let me just say this. Jeff, I tweeted earlier that um, it was incredibly – people did not like this, by the way. Incredibly easy to say the Guardian should have started Shane Bieber now because Savali didn't pitch well. And there's absolutely no way to prove that Shane Bieber wouldn't be better because not, we're not going to see it. So it make, everybody who says that is going to look smart because they don't have to prove their point. They don't have to prove that it would work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Cleveland assessed that Bieber on short rest wasn't going to be any better than than what they're going to get some, from Savali. And you can argue that for sure. I know some people will say, well, if they're going to go down, they should go down with their best pitcher. And I don't disagree with that. And I also want to say, just because Nestor Cortez pitched well on, on short rest doesn't mean that Shane Beaver would have. Um, there's absolutely no guarantee of that. that, that that's not backed by anything. Um, the track record of, of guys going on short rest isn't good. Coming in, coming into to game five, um, starter or teams are 7-14. and 14 since 2017 uh, with the uh, stars on short rest. So the track record isn't good. Um, if they would have went down with Bieber and it was, and he didn't pitch well. And 
I guess you can say, okay, we went down with our best. And would I agree that he's better than Savali? Yes. Would you maybe do a bullpen game over it? Yes. Um, but there's there's no way to be sure that Bieber would have pitched better than Savali. But I will say, Savali, we know, is a pitcher who relies on command. He had the command of a pitcher that hadn't pitched in 12 days, and that was ultimately a recipe for disaster. I think in hindsight, I would have said bullpen game. I still wouldn't have used Bieber. Yeah, it's, I mean, honestly, so, you know, I pulled out an older article that was from, you know, 2013, and this was over at Bleacher Report, uh, Dan, I want to give credit, Zach D. Reimer, and, you know, he did every pitcher on short rest from 2000 through 2013, which is when the article was written. 22 pitchers, 40 starts. Um, oh, no, this is, this is their, they actually pitch better in the start after short rest, which was weird, but mm. the, uh, Where's the on short rest, 54 starts, 287 innings. These are aces, right? These are the best pitchers who, who go on short rest, right? 200, 287 innings, ERA 4.8 whip 1.42, K per nine, 8.2 walk per nine, 3.5 hit per nine, 9.2 home run per nine, 1.1 average game score, 48 team record 20 and 34. So like, again, the data says that it, cause you don't have, I, I, listen, I love Quantrell. He's a solid starter. I feel like I've been way too mean to him. But you don't have a Quantrell going on short rest, right? You have your aces who go on short rest. Mm-hmm. You know, Nestor Cortez, I was listening to the game on the radio. He had the third best ERA since the 1950s in the history of the Yankees organization. That's who they had on short rest. Cleveland had, if they went there, Shane Bieber, who is the last pitcher to win the pitching triple crown. You know, these are great pitchers, and they have an ERA of nearly five. So I understand why Cleveland decided not to go with Bieber. I don't know how much it is. I don't think it's apples and oranges to compare what Cortez did because, listen, Cleveland's lineup struggled. Like, there's no way around it. This mm-hmm. whole postseason, they were just – they as a team have an, have an OPS under 600. Like, it, it's not an exact science, but that's really bad. Like, that is exceptionally bad for – you know, they got cold at the wrong time. And this team got hot and they got cold throughout the year. And unfortunately, and can I throw out a, a random thing? How about the fact that like Josh Naylor spent most of last season being hurt? Like how about Jimenez being in the minors last year? Oscar, like most of these guys haven't played a season this long. I just wonder if there was some natural wear and tear and unused to the length of a full season. If they played more than they've ever played before. And that also comes into effect. I think, I think even if you put Shane Bieber in there, you're still likely to lose if you only get one run. One run. And, and right. I know I know your point of view, and I understand like maybe they started pressing, but I feel like if you're gonna press because you're down three, then they were probably gonna be pressing when they were at zero zero. Like they were already behind the eight ball. If that's gonna I, I know it's hard, but if you believe in yourself as a team, like we have seen them during the season look at a three three spot is nothing. We have seen them mm-hmm. come back from that. And it just, it did feel like this postseason was a team that was really pressing. It felt like a lot of young guys in their first postseason on their first massive stage. And then, like I said, I, I, I do you think there's any true, I know baseball is a year round sport anymore and there's a lot of things going on, but do you think there's any fat chance that some of these, I mean, Naylor, I think definitely fatigue comes into with his recovery and everything else, but do you think anyone else was unused to just the length of this season? No, I, I'm sure pitching wise, it was probably a bigger deal than it was hitting wise. Like, yeah, for sure. Nathan with his leg was probably an issue. I think, I think position player wise, probably not so much um, pitching, maybe a little bit, 
but I thought everybody kind of maintained what they did. Like we didn't say anybody's velocity dip. We didn't, you know, I think Savali even threw 93 at one point today. Um, McKenzie's velocity was fine in that second game. You know, it was just executing. Maybe you can say like didn't execute because maybe they were tired, but I think overall it was just, they just didn't execute at, at the right times when they needed to. I don't, I don't know if that really had much to do with it. Didn't seem like it anyway. I think, I think, they had some flaws expo- exposed. The Yankees did a good job of, of finding out, like, look, Andre Smedes did not have a great postseason. No. Uh, slide aside, Jose Ramirez didn't have a fantastic postseason. I mean, he had the home run against the race, had a couple of their RBIs and hits. It was, but there were spots where you needed him to come through, and he didn't. Josh Naylor had a couple of key moments. Oscar Gonzalez obviously had a couple of key moments, but Quan uh, did. I guess, you know, each guy, I think, all had their moment in the series. You know, everybody chipped in at certain times, but I think they just failed to put it together when they needed to. I think it was a, I guess there, there's no point in blaming one guy. It was all offensively. It was, it was everybody just at different times did not come through when they really needed them to. I think it's a perfect time for us to take our next break, come back in and uh, kind of put a postmortem on this series. So let's take our break right here. And our break is, listen, I always say this. You shouldn't have favorites. I do have favorites. And my favorite sponsor are our good friends over at Built Bar. I currently have. Uh, so funny story. I have the Cougar Tail Built Puffs. And I had a student at school who was uh, struggle busting one day and didn't want anything. And I gave him this because it's it's a protein bar, right? And now he asks me every day for a puff. And I'm like, uh, did, did, did you do your work? I mean, I, I'm... I, I, most things I share, but I don't always want to share my built bars because they are delicious. They are filling pumpkin pie puff right now. looks amazing to me with white chocolate and Hey, you got a special deal going on right now. if you spend $65, you get a free Halloween bag. It's got three ghosts says trick or treat on it. If my daughter saw it, she would instantly steal it. That's how cute it is. It's perfect for Halloween. So go to builtbar.com today. When I go there, I use our promo code locked 15 because who doesn't want to save 15%? on your order it's the best deal you will find uh toffee almond that is another favorite in the original blend that was my favorite of theirs that's still there mud by par mud mud by poof mud pie bar i sometimes speak in spoonerisms also great there's so many great flavors you really can't go wrong go to builtbar.com today and remember to use that promo code locked 15 and now we are back to here's the thing this team, I know some people are tired of the whole, no one believed in us, but this is a team that honestly, I spent all last offseason hearing how they were going to be bad at every stop of the way. It was a fun year. Players, you know, we've been waiting. Like, you can go back two years. I'm like, Daniel Johnson's going to be in this outfield. We're finally going to have one passable outfielder. Listen, I, I bought into Daniel. Okay. I'm just going to be honest with you. I did I too. In, I, I bought I into thought at very least, platoon. Platoon. Yes. Least. 100%. Um, and to see like Stephen Kwan come up and assert himself in a way that honestly no outfielder has done since. I... Listen, Great. this is gonna size more Michael Brantley. As I say, it's it's them. And if you want to talk about those, were both traded players, a draft and develop player. Now they are very different players, and I am not comparing them on any level. But the last draft and developed outfielder who stayed here, who was that good? Who was? you know, a three win player was Manny Ramirez. Mm-hmm. Like 
that's how long it's been. We've been waiting for this. And hey, Oscar Gonzalez, I don't know if he ended up being a two-win player or if he got close, but we've been dying for that. You know, like a two-win guy <laughs> would have been a, a win. Right. And Jimenez going from, listen, I, I talked about how there were some parallels between him and Jose. I did not expect him to play like Jose. We ended up with a second star out of nowhere. I mean, not out of nowhere, but relatively. I mean, he was he was kind of a forgotten man. And the the bullpen, I thought, was a massive weakness. And I mean, how about Trevor Steffen? We, we didn't even talk about him today, but it's like what he did against the Yankees. Bullpen is such a strength now. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. Th- this team, <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and cough because everyone loves it so much. Um, uh, this team was fun to watch. It had a lot of great players. A lot of people stepped up. And I'll just keep saying it. They're younger than any team in AAA, and they have a top five farm system, and the talent hasn't even hit yet. They've got – you can one can make a case that their top three prospects are all pitchers. I, I don't think most will. But if one wanted to sit there and make that argument, I wouldn't go against them. You know, you got Bybee, what? I'm kidding, but maybe not. Uh, I'm not kidding. I'm with you. Uh, I'm with you. Know, you. He, he, <laughs> the stuff – we we discount it because it's smaller in knowledge, but the Shane Bieber comparisons are not fair, but also logical. If it's hard not to sense. draw the parallel. It's hard not to. Yes. But it's like, I mean, he's, you know, Williams, Espino, Rocchio, and, and they're all in double A or higher. So this is the thing. It, it stings right now because... Yes, I had a lot of people getting mad. It's like, imagine a deadline where they added Murphy and Drury. Is that enough to get them over the deadline here? Maybe. You know, they needed a little bit more punch. I don't know if that's enough. But they're in a situation where they they don't have a ton of holes. They have a great amount of young talent. And if they decide to go get someone, there's not anyone out there who they can't get. Yeah, if they can find a trade partner that has... Um, pieces they're willing to deal. We have a whole off season to get into this, and I'm sure we yes. will because I, I can't but, wait to do that with you. But yes, you're right. If they're if they have a player they are targeting, they have enough talent to go out and get it. If they want to make that, they want to part with some talent to do it. Yeah, and I just I want to I want to stick with that. I want to stick with like yes, it it totally sucks right now, but like the future is very bright, no matter how you want to take it. And even it was a fantastic season. It, you know, look back and it was a fun year. But it's not a one and done. I think the hard part for me is, and I should have said this at the open, but you know, I I plan I plan my days around seven oh five or six ten or uh, whatever time there's a game. If there's a game at one o'clock on Sunday, you know, I, I plan my day around that. And if there's a ten o'clock game on the West Coast, I take a nap after work so I can stay up until the end of that. I, I don't miss many games. You know, if I if I miss a game, it's because I'm covering a minor league game or I have some family obligation or something I owed my fiance to do that got in the way. So, I mean, I could probably count on one hand how many games I didn't see at least like the bulk of this year or didn't listen to. So when the season ends, it doesn't just, you know, wind down. It just comes to a screeching halt. And that's the hard part. Um, although I guess you could argue that it, it kind of wound down because they played their final five games in nine days because, of postseason scheduling because of rain. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of Major League Baseball's manipulative scheduling. I'm tired of the rain. We're tired of the rain in 2022. In 2023, I want less rain. Um, but yeah, that's the hard part. It's just, you know, it ends and 
my schedule becomes a mess and I have nothing. I feel like I have nothing to look forward to. So I'm, I'm glad I'll be doing these in the off season. Cause I'll need to look forward to those things. Um, but also the other part is it's hard to get back. I don't want to be, I don't want to get into all this now because I, I want, you know, this is a little bit of therapy. We want to be positive. It was a good season, but it's hard to get back to the, to the mountain, man. The climb back of the mountain is hard. So anytime you get there, you know, you want to win, you want to go as far as you can. And when it ends before you're ready for it to end, it's hard. So, but we'll, we'll get into that part of things as the, the off season gets going, but. No, definitely. But it's like yeah. I said, I just, I feel like I saw so much negativity and I know some people out there, you know, and I get the, the tendency to want to go there, but I just, I kind of want to just take some more time to celebrate this squad because it was such a fun surprise. Cause I thought it would you, be like, you know, I, I thought they would be, you know, about a 500 team, but man, I mean, I, even like Naylor, like Naylor was a below 100 a WRC plus guy before his injury. And yeah, the season was a little up and down for him, but there was so many. And then we like said, we talked about the minors. It's like Tanner Bybee a year ago at this time. We're not even talking about him as a top 30 prospect. You know, it's that's, it was just across the board, top to bottom. If you follow this team in depth, it was such a fun year. There was a lot of good developments for sure. I mean, just the standpoint of, I, I, I didn't have him going 500 because I thought, you know, they had pitching injuries last year and, and um, they were, they were extremely healthy this year for the most part. I know Savali got hurt at different points, um, but for the most part, they were a very healthy team this season. That's hard to repeat. And um, even so I thought for sure, you know, health would impact them again somewhere this year and it would keep them around 500. You could not have convinced me that 17 prospects were going to make their debut and they were going to be this good. I even asked, um, I asked uh, Rob Cifolio, who's the Guardians director of player development, I'll have an article on that in the coming days over at Guardians Baseball Insider, and maybe the News Herald, but I asked them, I said, what would you have said if I told you in March that there were going to be 17 rookies making their debut, and, and how would you have, what, what questions would you have asked me about how the season went? He said, well, I guess I would have asked you how many COVID cases we had, which thankfully not too many, and second, he would have really wanted to know, you know, how did we do? How did the season end up? And I don't think anybody would have said, yeah, you're going to the game five, the ALDS against the Yankees, and you're going to have a shot to go to the ALCS. Like nobody, nobody was predicting that. If you were, you were just, you know, had rose colored glasses on. Hiram. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. With you Chang hitting 30 bombs in the middle of the order. Yeah. Oh, no, not 30. He hit 62 40. in that, in That's that right. he, you know, he was judge. Uh, thank you for listening. Hiram. I like to tease with you. Uh, yes. But, you know, at the same time, I think, you know, you're talking about that. It's it's funny to think back. And like the big COVID case wasn't even the players; it was the coaches. Remember when we had the games canceled because it was yeah. it was the coaching staff. Uh, That's right. You know, it's 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 been such a long year. When you said that, it's like, oh yeah, I'd forgotten that that happened. Yeah, it's and like to go back. Like, Tanner Tully and Kirk McCarty to get up here. And again, and here's the thing: like Kirk McCarty ended up sticking around, had some nice moments. Tanner Tully is like the ultimate organizational soldier. Like. I kind of liked that he got uh, not kind of, I like that he got opportunities. Like he is, he's never going to stick in the big leagues and, and I'm sure even he kind of knows what he is, but he's that guy that he goes up and down, whatever he's needed. The minute he retires, I feel like he's going to have a coaching job in the system. He can mm-hmm. join Brad Goldberg as Ohio state pitchers that are uh, in the system as coaches. And, and I think he'll be great in that role, but it was great to see him get that opportunity because he is literally that guy who in one calendar year will pitch at like four different levels, filling whatever needs. So mm-hmm. uh, just a, I know people are out there like, why are you talking about Tanner Tully? Oh, we're talking about the whole season. And he's someone who, you know, it, just 
the perfect definition of an organizational yeah. soldier. So it was good to see. And like I said, that was just a reward for that guy. And, you know, you go back and you think about Bobby Bradley at the start of the year on this roster and some of the other choices before, you know, Oscar got his opportunity before back when Stephen Kwan was a platoon player, things like that. And just how much for a while, I'm platoon. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you go into next year, it's like second base set shortstop. We'll see. I feel set. I don't know. Left field set. Third yeah. base, obviously set. One at first base or DH set. Center field, I think is still set. I mean, he's got a contract for five years. and Most of your bullpen set. Yeah, your starting rotation potentially set. If not. At the very you know, worst, you're going to upgrade the rotation. If, yeah. if not, you're bringing what guys back. Yeah. You know, Oscar Gonzalez, either outfield or DH until he proves otherwise. It's like right. you need one more bat. Um, yeah, speaking of, do you want this final stat to depress you yeah. or anybody? Uh, Joe Sheehan, uh, formerly a baseball prospectus, and now he does the Joe Sheehan baseball newsletter. But uh, Guardians played seven playoff games, scored 17 runs. They had a 269 OBP. They struck out, their strikeout rate did go up in the postseason. Their walk rate fell. Not a shock. We know this. Uh, but he said, we want long sequence offense to work, you know, getting hits and stringing hits mm-hmm. together. And he says it doesn't work, not in October. Uh, I disagree. I think it can work, but I think you need balance. I think yeah. they needed – the one thing they were missing was Fran Mel Reyes. And not not the yes. Fran Mel Reyes that hit, played for Cleveland this year. They were missing the Fran Mel Reyes they thought they were going to have. You yeah, get that they, bat, I think that changes everything. Agreed. I mean, imagine if all of a sudden he's you have a 35 home run threat hitting four, Naylor five, pushing everyone else down. You know, it's just a different team. It's so totally different. Yeah. And that's, that's, I mean, the Fran Mills situation, that's the other crazy thing. You get down to it, it's like heading into this year, there were two hitters I thought we could count on to have, you know, be above league average was Jose and Fran Mill. And Fran Mill just imploded. And yeah, now we go back and it's like, okay, they basically need to find a new Fran Mill. Like that's kind of, you know, they got that one open spot who's outfielder slash DH slash first baseman, uh, depending on how you want to shift the other guys. It's like, that's what they need to find Fran Mill. Can they find Fran Mill? Yep. That's the challenge. I think that's, that. that's, you know, besides maybe upgrading a starting pitching spot mm-hmm. and I guess catcher we can talk about too, but yeah, yeah. just, you know, upgrade maybe one pit rota- spot in rotation and get one more bat somewhere. And I think you're, you're right back in the thick of things next year. You can't rest on this because it, like no. I said, it's going to be hard. It's always easier being the hunter than the hunted and next year they will be the hunted. So you know, they're going to have to go through the uphill climb to get back, but they're not, they're not far off from coming. They weren't far off and win the series to begin no. with, but they're going to have to improve to get past this hump next year. And they're not, they don't have to improve a ton to do it. They just and have the to one do it the right way. Yeah. And the one nice thing, you know, is just kind of from my end, a final thought before I kick it to you. Uh, even if like they do have some more injuries last year, yes, this team was unnaturally healthy. All of that depth they've built up in the minors and they're kind of, how they've been willing to bring up and let guys play. The the one nice thing is like, yes, it hurts if you lose a starter. It hurts if you lose an everyday player. But let's say someone like Josh Naylor gets hurt next year and misses a month, you know, heaven forfend, you have Nolan Jones. If one of these pitchers goes down, you got Logan Allen, maybe a Daniel Espino who you have to add at, at the end of next year to your – like I will argue that they are in such a better position as opposed to 2021 when you had to like – put henches from double a to the rotation Mejia from high a 
You know, like they are in a position where that depth in the minors is actually going to help support the major league team because there will be more injuries. But because it's, I mean, the health of this year was just unsustainable. But at the same time, it's like that's part of why you got to be excited. Like I said, it's painful now, but the thing to help you get through it is Austin Hedges is your only free agent, and the youth is just sitting there ready to help. And if they can figure out ways to help compile some of this talent, uh, it's it should be an even more fun year next year. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like I said, it's just painful because it's over. I, I don't like when things end. This is why I always uh, say tell people I like covering prospects because, like, when a guy like Stephen Kwan or somebody else gets the majors and they do good and they're moving on and. I always like to go back and try to find the next prospect and, yes. and try to figure that out because there is no end. It's an infinite loop and, and you don't have to worry about the end because the future is always unknown. I like when the future is unknown because the possibilities are endless and I hate the end, even though this is the end of today's podcast. Uh, we'll be back with, with more. And I'm looking forward to doing this over the off season with you as therapy and things to look forward to. Yep. We can definitely help showcase each other's talent. Good night. <laughs> Good night. Uh, thank you to everyone who listened. Remember to rate and review daily. Even though it's the off season, as you can tell, we're going to have fun uh, on this. We're going to, and if you want like prospect talk, uh, we're going to go deep on that. Just oh, we're going to get nerdy. The, the, we're going to get it's real gonna nerdy. It's going to be, <laughs> and if you're not subscribed on YouTube, we're at almost, is it almost 700? Maybe almost 800. We're at something 75. Um, so please go subscribe on the YouTube. It is a big help for us. Uh, the numbers have been the best they have ever been, which postseason helps. The addition of Justin obviously helps as well. But uh, thank you to everyone who continues to support this show. Uh, you know, I've always made a big deal about the fact that like we are fighting to be one of the top podcasts. We've stayed in the top 30 on iTunes for baseball podcasts for like three weeks in a row. So that's huge. Thank you. Thank you to every one of you listening out there. And how we end every show. Go, go, Guardians, go.